Good morning, everybody. Today, Mr. Hashem will be learning Daf Ein Vav in Maseches Nadarim. Okay, that's number 76, but we're going to start in 75b, which is six lines up where the Gemara says Tashma. You know, as fate would have it, Goranowitz, when you're doing Daf Yomi, you can't always start, although we have, uh, last week we were picking up at the top in a Mishnah at the very top of every page. This was definitely not the case here. There was a Mishnah on Ein Hey, Ahmed Aleph. And so we're picking up kind of in the middle of a train of thought. So let me try to board the, back it up and board this train on a normal station as follows. There was a Machlokas of Elazar Chacham. We actually mentioned it earlier last week. They agree. Okay. We talked about the concept of Hakama and Hafaras Nadarim. Hakama is the affirmation of a Nadar. Hafara is when you nip a Nadar in the bud that only a husband or a father could do depending on the circumstances, as we discussed in great length. Uh, Shabbos was a great daf, wasn't it? Whether uh, a Yavim could do it. What is the status of a Yavim? Fascinating. Okay. But here we are, the three are in Machlokas, with a dialogue in the, in, in the Mishnah and the Yavim. But here we are, back at this question of Rabbi Eliezer versus the Chachamim. They both would agree, and the question is as follows. Can you do Hafara or Hakama in advance? Andrew's going on a business trip, as he does, and he says, you know what, while I'm away, everybody, uh, either he says, I want to affirm all the nadarim that Lenin's going to make, or I want to be mayfair those nadarim, right? I want to nip those in the bud. So, everyone agrees he cannot affirm the nadarim. Why? Because, yeah, he doesn't know what the nadarim are. And affirmation requires knowledge of context. And so... That he certainly cannot do. Rabbi Eliezer and the Chacham would agree on that. Can he nip them in the bud? So we talked about this uh, at some length last week. That it says Vaishma, right? And we talked about whether right, the questions of Rami Barchama. Does Vaishma mean that you have to actually hear uh, what the nether was in order to be made for it? So we saw a brisa that said that the person who makes the nether has to be able to hear, right? So that's the husband has to be. Able, uh, uh, able to hear the person who is made for the nether has to be able to hear. So that was fascinating in its own right, and we resolved that. But we did not resolve whether once he's able to hear whether he actually has to hear. That was left unresolved in the Gemara. And again, just to explain the reasoning behind this, you know, Andrew's uh, desire to nip all the darm in the bud could be general or could be specific, right? The affirmation of a nether, by definition, has to be specific because you have to know what the nether is. But to say, you know what, I don't have, ain't nobody got time for that, I don't want any nadarm to go on while I'm away, that is something that makes sense even in the absence of knowing specifically what the nether is, right? Because you just simply don't want any nadarm. That, that's something that you could say. And we're not really sure, and therefore there is a machlokas, with regards to that, can you do hafara? Can Andrew do hafara before he goes on a business trip in advance? The Chacham says that he cannot, but Rabbi Leizer says that actually he could, okay? Because he could, so to speak, kill that nether before it ever comes into effect, okay? So now, six lines up from the bottom vine, hey, I'm, I'm a base. I'll say it outside first, and then we'll read it inside because it's a little out of context. We asked like this. There's a dialogue between Rabbi Yezer and Chachamim. Let's say a mikvah, 
right? They, it, this is where we left off on Ha'in hay, hay. They brought in the concept of a mikvah. Let me ask you a question, Barry. Can you, uh, like, dunk yourself in a mikvah? If you were, okay, if a person's tummy and they dunk themselves in the mikvah, they become tahar. Beautiful. Does that mean, let's say you know that you're going to be coming in contact with Tumah. Are you allowed to like dunk yourself in the mikvah and coat yourself with mikvah water and then go out there? Would that make you impervious to the tumah? So the answer is it would not, right? So in certain ways, the mikvah is ironic that after the fact, you can purify yourself, but you can't protect yourself with it. Or, or, or similarly, tovel v'sheretz biyado. You're literally in the mikvah, but you're holding on to the, to the tumah sheretz. You certainly, the mikvah in that situation would not help you. Right, because you're holding on to the to, to the to, to the sherets at the same time. Conversely, if you swallowed right a tummy ring, right, and you dunked in the mikvah, does the ring become tahar? No. So your body protects your body in a sense becomes a barrier, and then you the the ring will not become tahar because it's inside you. What if you swallow a tahar ring? And you're in a tummy situation. Let's say you're in a tumas ohel, right? Where there's a corpse. So then again, your body will protect the ring and the ring will stay tar. Okay. So this was a discussion in Ayin Hay. And it was all the Chachamim's way of telling Rabbi Eliezer that you can't make a call of a chomer as the Rabbi Eliezer tried to do from the hafaris and dharma of his wife, right? To the negation of a nether in advance. In other words, Rabbi Eliezer said the following, that a, a husband, let's say, can make a hafaris and a darim after the fact. And therefore he made a kalva chomer. If a husband can make a nether, if he can make for a nether after the fact, then certainly, right, before she made the nether, where it's still this like fledgling idea, certainly he could be made for the nether. Because after the fact, it's a full-fledged nether, Right? Once she's made the nether, right, uh, and, and, then, and she's already articulated it, he could do a farce and dharm. It's not a full-fledged until the end of the day, but you know what I mean. We'll talk about when the end of the day is. Uh, hopefully, if we get to it in Ahmed Bey's um, today. But the point is, she's articulated an actual nether. So you say, oh, this thing it really exists now. Let's nip it in the bud. If you can nip it in the bud in that stage, then certainly you should be able to sort of like, you know, rip out the soil before she plants that nether and say, and, and that was the Kabbalah Rabbi Eliezer said. But the Chachamim were saying, obviously the mikvah is a perfect example of how that doesn't always work that way. Because after all, like we said, you can only become Tahar once you've become Tameh, right? But you can't pre-Tahar yourself, you can't pre-purify yourself prior to becoming Tameh. That would never work. And therefore, this Kabbalah Rabbi Eliezer doesn't work, say the Chachamim. Fine. Now, uh, fine. So, let, but in the context, we see right that Rabbi Yehuda holds that a far would undo the Nadarim completely. Lemafreya. So now, six lines up from the bottom line of Ham Beis Tashma. Let's try to figure out Rabbi Yehuda's Kavachomer and analyze it from the following brisa. Right, according to your argument. You say that a mikvah makes somebody tummy. Um, and that's certainly true. It does, right? When somebody is tummy and they go into a mikvah, they, it's malet mitumasam. It makes them tahar. 
And yet, right? And yet, as we just said, if you coat yourself in mikvah water, it wouldn't save you from becoming tummy. So therefore, Adam Shein Malat doesn't it follow, therefore, that you would say that when it comes to a human being, and this has to do with the ring, right, who does not take that which is tummy and make it and make it tahar, right? Because after all, if a human being, right, um, in this particular case, swallowed a ring that's tame, right, and then dumped, dunked in the mikvah, it, it wouldn't be make it tahar. Certainly, it shouldn't be able, right, to shield a tahar ring from becoming tame. And yet, it does. It's an amazing little uh, derivation of the Kalvachomer. We learn from this, right, that when that there's no correlation between right this idea of Rabbi Eliezer's Kavachomer, the the Chachamim are taking this Tuma Tahara analogy to dismantle Rabbi Eliezer's Kavachomer. That it is not true that whenever somebody can um, fix something after the fact, that is an indication that they certainly can fix it in advance. It's not true. That's not always the case. Uh, and we finally arrive on Ayn Vav and uh, Aleph. So it shows that if you do something bad, the means don't uh, end. Is that what you say? Uh, I thought you were going to say something else. I, I thought you were going to say, um, I probably shouldn't say this, but in, uh, in Israel, there's a big difference between when you're trying to get a big uh, building permit, there's a big difference between requesting a building permit ahead of time and after the fact. Right? It is not necessarily true that if you can get a permit after the fact that you would have gotten it initially ahead of time. I once got, uh, so I, I do want to, I don't want to forget, um, we're learning obviously Lila Nishmas, Rav Chaim Zebun, Rav Alevi, Zatzal, and Libat Al Chaim Tovim Ruchim. I was asked to daven for my son Nachi's Rebbe, Rabbi Rosenbaum, David Yisrael Ben Sima Fega. He should have a refuah shleima. He's in the hospital for some reason. I don't know what it is. Uh, and I'll mention Chaim Tobim Ruchim Shlita. Also, Rabbi Breitowitz Shlita, a great, great wow. Rav who used to be in Silver Spring and now is in Eretz Israel. Wow. And he once told me that he had a. Um, uh, he got a call from the municipality in Yerushalayim, and they said, "We want you to know that your permit came through." He says, "What permit? I never applied for a permit." In, in somebody in his family right. had applied for a permit, wait for it, Barry, 50 years prior. Somebody had applied for a permit wow. like after the, like shortly after the establishment of the state <laughs> in, the, in, like the, in like the early, in the early 50s. And so, first of all, he, he asked them, he tells me, first of all, how did you find me? He said, you know, we're very, we're very good at that. We're very good at finding people. Okay. And what took so long, secondly? And they said, these things take time. <laughs> that was the answer. So when you, when, you at, when you try to get the building permit in advance, sometimes it could take time. It could take 50 years. But that's the joke, right? It's the ironic thing that it could take, you know, they could find somebody that you'll never find in a million years, trace you down, and they have the incredible talent and capacity to do that. But to give you the actual permit, which should take five minutes, that could take 50 years. So it's not always correlating if something can be done after the fact. That doesn't necessarily mean that you could do it 
ahead of time. And that's what the Chachamim are saying to Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer, you don't make this Kavachomer. Just because we can be made for the Dharm after the woman articulated does not necessarily mean that we can, in advance, right, pre- Pre, uh, pre Mayfair than the Durham before we go on a business trip. So finally, before Andrew has a conniption at 5.52 a.m., let's start Ayn Bavam Adalaf. Ema Seifa. Let's look at the, at the uh, second part of this price. Amr Lalav Rebbe right? This was a dialogue again between Chacham Rebbe Yezer. And the Chacham said to Rebbe Yezer, Imat bilin kli tamel yat bilu kli lichshei tamel Right? So they said to Rebbe Yezer, according to your argument, it should, it should follow. If you could take a kli, that's tameh, dunk it in the mikvah and make it tahar, then you should be able, right, to pre toivila kli, right, take it to the right, pre toivila kli, and then, and then pre coat it with, with right purity, so to speak, pre purify it, so that any time it touches tameh, right, it will become tahar. And of course, we know that that's not the case, right, and therefore shemami nachayalin. However, this is the fascinating idea. The fact that that was the Chachamim's counter-argument teaches us, and this can be confusing, so that's why I'm spelling it out here, teaches us that that was in fact what Rebbe Yezer was trying to say. In other words, we weren't even sure what Rebbe Yezer was trying to say, and that was the question in the Gemara. The question in the Gemara was that did Rebbe, was Rebbe Yezer made his Kavachomer, that just like you can make another after the fact, it should be able to be valid, right, uh, from, from the beginning, right? And that was the question of the Gemara. Does the neder, when, let's say the husband, before he goes away, says, I'm going to be made for all my wife's and in advance. Does he mean that her neder never, ever gets off the ground? Or does it survive for a split second and then get expunged, right? And then gets wiped off. And then the Gemara discussed the nafkamina of what would be, right, what would be the actual practical difference if it survives for a split second and then gets wiped out. Uh, and so this was what we were kicking around. That's a valid question. In other words, if you say that you could pre-purify it so that it never gets off the ground, right? Like pre-sterilization or whatever. But if you say that, no, this, it, it's, the mechanism is different. As soon as it becomes stomach, it gets sterilized, it gets purified. So that's a different mechanism, right? One can't contract the, uh, right, can't contract the virus, at all, right? Like a vaccine, if you will. And the other one is more like a post-contracting of the virus, right, uh, remedy. And so that was the question, which one does it affect? And from the context of using the klitor, since that's what the Chachamim, right, said back to Rabbi Yezer, it sounds like they, that, that they're saying that it takes effect and only gets mefer after it takes effect because that is what the analogy to the Tevilas Kalim would suggest. However, the Gemara then says that you can't really bring a proof to that from the Brisa because Amri Rabbanu lo kaimid lohan betamid Really, what the right the Talmid Chacham and what the Yeshiva guys say is that you can't bring any proof, right? Because it's not really necessarily a situation where the Rabbanon were following the exact reasoning and logic of Rabbi Eliezer, because it could be that they said the following, that according to your logic, it, what, it's, this is what makes sense. As follows, as the Gemara says, they say, wait a minute. You're saying, Rabbi Eliezer, that a husband can be made for his wife's Nadarim in advance. What is your logic? If you actually hold that the neder that your wife is going to take is going to take effect and then be immediately wiped out, then then 
our case of Tevilas Kalim would take your would take your logic apart, right? Because in Tevilas Kalim there is no such thing as wiping it out in, in, in advance. In other words, the argument that the Chachamim made of there is no such thing in Tevilas Kalim where you could pre-purify a Kli seems to be saying that they're telling, they're trying to explain to him that you can't pre-purify it However, conversely, if you hold that it can be pre mufram lemafreya, right, that you can actually pre um, knock out your wife's nadarim in advance, and it never and her nadarim never get off the ground, then to have a mikvah tiyuftach. So then the mikvah will be uh, your reputation. In other words, we're not really sure what your reasoning is, but either way, we disagree. And so we brought the brisa, we brought the reisha, and we brought the seifa. The Reisha made it seem like Rabbi Eliezer thought that, that the neder gets wiped out, uh, gets uprooted before it ever gets off the ground. The Seifa, in the argument, Rabbi Eliezer made it seem like Rabbi Eliezer thought that it takes a little bit of root and then gets wiped out right away. And we said, so how do you reconcile the Reisha and the Seifa? And so in the yeshivas, they said, you reconcile it by saying, by simply saying that the Chachamim said to him, Whichever way your reasoning of your kavachomer goes, Rabbi Yezer, it is a faulty kavachomer, and we'll reject it either way. And so it, we don't really, we can't, <laughs> and what ends up happening is, therefore, that we cannot decide, we can't determine from this brisa exactly what Rabbi Yezer's reasoning, in fact, was, and therefore we can't use the brisa to determine exactly what Rabbi Yezer meant, because the Chachamim challenged him irrespective of what he meant. And so we don't know really what Rabbi Yezer exactly meant, and so we're finally going to bring one last source to see if we can uh, work it out as follows. Tashma, Amalayim Rabbi Eliezer, Maz Raim Tameim, Kevin Shazarim Bekarka Taharim. So here's the Brisa. Rabbi Eliezer said, we know the halacha, right? That we learn, it's actually a halacha that we've learned already several times, but this one is straight out of the Psukim. It says, Right, a seed contracts tumas mace, let's say, right, and then you plant it. So what happens? That seed, that plant is tahar. You take a umaz roim tameim. You take tame seeds kevin shazar bakarka taharm. Once they're planted in the ground and they grow, they become tahar. Oh, so Rabbi Yezer explaining to Chachamim says ruin ve'om dim l'kol shekain. Is it? Would you therefore not say? That that which already are planted are going to remain tar even if they come in contact with Toma? Is that true? Th- Wait a minute. It's they're going to remain tar tar. So what's going on here? Shmami na lo We learn from this. Rabbi Eliezer learned his kavachomer right in a context where they don't take effect altogether. How do, how do you learn that? So. Says the Ran, it's seven lines up from the bottom. Shmami no lo chayalin, right? He says, "Devadai bezroim tameim hachi dainin shalotachul beim tuma." Right? Dei chayla b'may nafka. In other words, when you have zroim tameim, right? Right? Tameim hachi dainin shalotachul beim tuma. You have zroim tameim, right? It's not going to. They're not going to be tumah because where is the tumah going to go? Rabbi Lazar zraim who the medamel and the darim, and Rabbi Lazar is comparing zraim to the darim. Almas virle la Rabbi Lazar ben adarim lo 
Chayel. Wow. In other words, right? In the case of Zrayim, there's a Kav right? Because we say, over there, he's saying, it's unbelievable. You have a, you have a, right, a plant. It's still rooted in the ground. Of course, once you harvest that plant, it can be Mechabal Tumah. That's not the issue. The issue is while it's still rooted in the ground, right, it certainly can't be Mechabal Tumah. Plants, right, in order for a plant or anything like that to be Mechabal Tumah, it has to be what? Already plucked from the ground. So, Rebbe Yezer makes the following an analogy from the seeds. You take a Tame seed and you plant it in the ground, it becomes Tahar. Would you therefore, and therefore it's, it definitely teaches you that the ground can be metaher, something which is tame. Says Rabbi Eliezer, in Kalvachomer, if the ground has this uh, purifying ability, Kalvachomer, so long as the plant is in the ground, it will never contract tuma in the first place because that ground preserves it and purifies it and protects it from becoming from ever becoming tummy. The point is what the Gemara teases out, and as the Ron explains, is that we see that he's making an analogy. If the ground could be matame something tar, then certainly the ground could protect something from something tar. Well, that certainly seems to imply that he holds that to the extent that he's breaking this analogy to Nadarim, what he's saying is that if a husband could be mefer, a neder of his wife that has already been articulated, then he certainly can be protective of her nadarim and stop them from ever getting off the ground, no pun intended. And therefore what that means is that it must be that what he means is that it never gets off the ground because that's how it really works with, uh, with the seeds. In other words, you would never say in the case of the tummy seeds that the seed is tummy, then it goes into the ground, becomes tohar, then as it sprouts, it becomes tummy for a split moment and then becomes tohar again by virtue of sprouting out of the ground. That doesn't make any sense. That, that clearly isn't what's happening. What's happening is the seed goes into the ground and becomes tahar, and then anything that grows out of the ground, so long as it's in the ground, will always remain tahar, so long as it's connected to that ground. So similarly, so long as his wife is connected to her husband and his right desire to be made for her nadarm, she her nadarm will never sprout and get off the ground. And that is the analogy that gives light to what Rabbi Yezer meant. And so now we're finally closed the thought that we started yesterday in Ein Hay, and so we resume uh, uh, which is right halfway down over here uh, actually four lines up from the bottom of Ein Vavam Adolf. Is that what you said Rabbi Howard got up to? Okay, you don't even remember anymore. You're all, you're all turned around. Okay, so he said like this Wait a minute. Why did the Rabbanon not agree? With Rabbi Yezer. That's a pretty cool Kalvachomer. Vatanya, and we have, we seem to have a source that the Rabbana would agree with Rabbi Yezer Kalvachomer. After all, the Bryce says the following We know that a person can sell his daughter, right, to be an Evid, uh, uh, an Ama Ivria, while she's a Nara. Sometimes a father would have to do that. The Torah explicitly talks about it. Father has a right to do that because uh, he can't support her, so he sells. He he makes an arrangement where she, when she, while she's a nara and she's under his jurisdiction, right, to turn her into a, a, a an ama every at the time. Okay, now 
he could do that, right, while she's in Nara. Amr Kavachomer, Mechura Kvar Yotza. Now, we know that that daughter, once she is sold as an Amr Ivriya, right, if she was sold prior to becoming a Nara, when she becomes a Nara, right, she can go out. In other words, he sells her as a child. She has the ability, as we learn, as we will learn in Kiddushin, but we already learned this in Ksubis, that the, that the girl has the ability to, to get out of that arrangement once she ages out, right? This is a temporary arrangement that, that can be solidified when she becomes a Nara, but she has to confirm it at that point, right? Um, she has also the right to reject it once she gets old enough to be independent, okay? So since she can get out of it, when her father put her in, right, as a child, is it, is it not a Kalvachomer, is not certain that if she wasn't sold prior to becoming a Nara, that she can't be sold to begin with, right? In other words, here's the Kalvachomer. Here's the Kalvachomer. And this is what the Ron explains. The question, again, the question that was posed was, can a father, right, make the arrangement. We know that the Torah says a father can make the arrangement to sell his daughter, uh, so to speak, as a Ama Ivria when she's a Katana. And the question is, can he do so once she's already a Nara? And the answer is, certainly he cannot. Because just like if he sold her as a Katana, she would have the ability to get out of that arrangement as a Nara. So then certainly you would say that she can't, uh, that he can't place her in that arrangement once she's already a Nara, in the first place, right? And so that's the Kalvachomer the Chachamim have no issue with, right? They agree with this Kalvachomer. And there's an analogy there, right? Because you're talking about a termination of a certain stage, right? Uh, meaning Nara is when she's no longer a Katana. And we say the fact, we make a Kalvachomer. We say the fact that he can, that, that the stage of Nara can get her out of the state of being an Ama Ivria, when, when she's already an Ama Ivria, that implies that if she already pre-reached that stage before the father attempts to make that arrangement, turning her into an Ama Ivria, that it certainly wouldn't work. And so the Gemara is asking, doesn't that suggest, the fact that the Chachamim are willing to make this Kalvachomer, wouldn't that suggest that they think that if you can get yourself out of the stage by being a Nara, then that implies that if you were already a Nara when your father tried to, to put you in that stage, that, that certainly wouldn't work. And the analogy should be clear. That if you can get somebody out of a nether, once you've already articulated the nether, that shouldn't it certainly work? That if you try to undo the nether prior to the nether, that the nether wouldn't get off the ground? And so the Gemara is asking, if the Rabbanon are willing to learn this Kavachomer by Amar Ivriya, why are they not willing to learn this Kavachomer of Rabbi Eliezer when it comes to the Hafaras Nedarim? That's the question. And so, as we turn... To the Gemara answers in That's not a bad point. In general, the Chachamim would make such a Kalvachomer, and that that is a reasonable, defensible string of logic. However, here we have a Xeris Akasav, which makes the case of Nadarim different. Because after all, the Pasuk by Nadarim says, Isha Yekimenu, Isha Yeferenu. Right? That we say that a man has to, that the husband makes, is the one that can confirm her nether, as we've said, 
or he can right be made for the nether. Says the Gemara as Shibali Khlal Hakim, Bali Khlal Hafer. That it is only right the fact that it, it makes the Pasuk brings the Ishai Kimenu, Ishai Ferenu, and suggests a correlation between those two. What that teaches you is that it is only when the husband can actually be making the nether, it's only in that scenario where he can also be made for the nether. And since we've already said that both the Chacham and the agree that a nether has to already be articulated in order for him to affirm it, to be making the nether, so therefore that is where the Chachamim would say that should be the same scenario in order to be made for the nether, that it, it only works once the nether has been made. It does not work in advance of the nether being made because of the fact that since it's not good enough for the Akamas Nadarim, it shouldn't work either for the Hafaris Nadarim. And it is this Xeris Akasif that the Chachamim use that even though they agree with Rabbi Ezra's logic, they have this Pasuk to teach you that in the case of Nadarim, that is a ex- exception where that logic does not apply. And therefore, right, as Shibalachlal Hakim, Balachlal Hafer, as Shilobalachlal Hakim, Lo Balachlal Hafer. And that's why the Chashit of Chachamim is that only that which can be affirmed, which is to say, only that which has already been articulated and thus can be affirmed, only that scenario can then be Mayfair. Okay, so the Kavacham is solid, but Xerasakasav, what does um, the Ezer do with this Pasuk? So uh, it doesn't say. But presumably he doesn't hold of this. Analogy. He doesn't hold, he reads the Pasuk differently, right? And doesn't hold of, um, of this comparison. Fine. Andrew, are you ready for the Mishnah 9 Vavim Bays? Oh, yeah. Okay. Never been readier. Okay. So we said, and you'll recall this, Barry, when the wife or the daughter makes a neder, this concept of a forest nadarim, there's a deadline. The deadline of a day, right? And we actually, I seem to recall not remembering whether. Does she have it till Shkia? Or does she have what we call me la ace? Like she made, if she made the nether at three in the afternoon, does she have until Shkia? Does the husband and the, and or the father have until Shkia to be made for the nether? Or do they have until three in the afternoon the next day to be made for the nether? There's a 24 hour period. Well, uh, that's Machlokas in Masechus uh, and Darim, Andrew, as we will now read. Hafaras and Darim kol hayom. You could be, be made for the nether kol hayom. And therefore, yesh bedavar lahakel ulahachmer. And that has uh, a kula and a chumrah. As the Ran says over here, not really a kula and a chumrah. It says the Ran over here, halfway down on the right side. Uh, that's a little bit of a misnomer, the concept of kula and in this context. What it really means is, Right, as the Ran explains, when it says, that hakel hachmir. What it means is that if you do with the you go with the shkiyav art, right? So then, if you made it in the middle of the shtilchayt of the night, then you have until the following day shkia to revoke it, and that's what it means lahakel. You have a longer period of time, but it's not really a kula because it's still a chumra relative to meis laes, right? If you say twenty four hour period, then it's always the same and it's always uniform. That's what the Ron's saying. Whereas if you say that it, it depend, that you can be made for it until Shkia, then of course it'll be either shorter or longer, depending on when you made the nether. Fine. Okay, it's that house, so. Nadra Belele Shabbos. So she makes the nether Friday night between Kiddush and Hamoitzi. You're not supposed to talk between washing your hands. Okay. Be that as it may, she made it between Kiddush and Hamoitzi. Yafer. Belele Shabbos, Uviyom Shabbos, Achetachshach. Then he has all Friday night to think about it. It's a long Friday night. And he even has the whole next day until Shkia. 
However, nadra im chashecha, but if she made the nether at shal shudis, then he only has a few minutes, right, to be made for the nether. That's what it means. Because as we've already discussed, there's a deadline, right? If you hold that shkia, so to speak, is the end of the day for the nether, so then once shkia hits, the nether matures and it becomes legit and he can no longer be made for it. Okay, so now let's see the Gemara Tanya. Hafaris nadarim kol hayom. The Brisa has the machlokas to this effect. The Tanakhama says that you can make hafaris nadarim all day long until shkia. Shimon say, no, it's a 24-hour period. Amazing. Machlokas, right in the Brisa. The Tanayim disagreed on this. My time at the Tanakama. Why does the Tanakama say that you have only until evening and it goes according to calendar day? Yeah, the Pasuk says on that day. Right? That's what the Pasuk says. That the, if her father, right, on the day that he heard it, oh, what does it mean when it says the day? What well, says Biyom sounds like a daytime thing. And it sounds like once Shkia hit, he would no longer be able to make for the nether. However, so Verabanan. So Verabanan here is referring to Yosir Rehuda and Abelazar Shimon. My time, they see this pasuk of Yom Shamo. So what makes them think that this that the deadline for Afaris Nadarim is at twenty four hours? Miyom El Yom. Ooh, right. That's what the pasuk says. Miyom El Yom. sounds like. It uh, sounds a lot like me'es le'es, right? It sounds a lot like whatever time she would do the nether on, let's say, Tuesday at three in the afternoon, that they would have miyom el yom. Maybe that sounds me'es le'es, like they should be able to be made for it until Wednesday, three in the afternoon. Okay, so now the Gemara wants to know what each shita would do with the other pasuk. Okay, so the Chachamim would say that you have until shkia. What are you going to do with this miyom el yom that sounds like it's me'es le'es in a 24-hour period, says the Gemara. It's jachdi'i b'yom shamo. Because if you didn't have the pasuk of yom yom and you only had the pasuk of biyom, havamina biyamama in you would think that you cannot be made for nadarim at night. Uh, so, for example, if the wife made the nether at Friday night, right after kiddush, you would think that it's a long Friday night here in the winter. Husband has to sleep on it and has to wait till tomorrow shachris to be made for the nether. miyom el yom, and that's what we say that the entire period of time from the time she made the nether until the following day is eligible for her faris nadarim, which is to say, Andrew, you could be made for the nether even during the nighttime in between. Okay. Okay, so that's what you learned from, so now we know why the Chachamim who say that they think that the nether is done in Shkia, why they have the Pasuk of Yom Yom. But if you learn the Pasuk of Yom Yom to mean that it's me'es le'es, and if she made the nether at three in the afternoon, you can, right, be, you have until the next day, three in the afternoon, to be made for the nether. Haksib b'yom sham'o. What then does the Chachamim's Pasuk of b'yom sham'o coming to teach you? That implies that you can only do it until Shkia. It sounds like b'yom. says the Gemara, it's jachdi'chsib m'yom el-yom. You still need b'yom sham'o, because if all it said was m'yom el-yom, you don't really know what it means. Miyom yom could mean one of two things. It could mean three in the afternoon on Tuesday to three in the afternoon on Wednesday, or it can mean, it might mean that if you made the nether on Tuesday, so that becomes the day that you have until the following Tuesday to be made for the nether. Because miyom el yom, Tuesday to Tuesday. You might have thought that. And that's why, right, uh, that's why there are, the Rebbe Lezer, Rebbe Shimon, and his crew thought 
that you would on, that you would right could only do it me'es le'es. But Biyom Shamo teaches you that you only have that one 24-hour period, not a whole week. That's what Biyom Shamo teaches you. That's only one day. What's halacha? Meri Shimon, Pazim, Meri Shimon, Levi, Ein halacha keosa hazug. That halacha is not like Rav Yosef and Rav Yudin, Rav Lazar, Shimon, which is to say, it is not me'es le'es. So if a woman were to make a nether on Tuesday at 3 p.m., she does not have until Tuesday, or the husband or the father, does not have until Wednesday 3 p.m. to be made for the nether. Rather, he would only have until Shkia that day. He only has a few hours uh, in the winter to be made for the nether. That's what the halacha. And the Gemara relates, Levi wanted to, uh, to paskin like the Tanaim, the aforementioned Tanaim, Rabbi Yossi ben Yehudah, Rabbi Lazar Shimon, and be made for after 24 hours. And Amar Rav, Hachi Amar Chavivi, Rav, Chavivi is always an uncle. Right, so Rav says, "My uncle, uh, as it were, Rav's uncle was none other than the great sage Rabbi Chia." Says his, uh, says Rav, "My uncle says, don't do this, Levi. You should paskin, right? Like my uncle Rabbi Chia, who said, no, 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 the halacha is not like that. Okay, the halacha is that you have only until Shkia, not a twenty-four hour period. Now, two lines up from the bottom, Vayin Vavim Beis." We have three minutes. Let's talk about different ways that different chachamim were made for nadarim. This is fascinating. Chia barav, barav shadei gira uvadik. Chia barav used to shoot arrows or play PlayStation, right? Do some archery, and at the same time, he would be made for nadarim. Rabba barav huna yosef v'kaim. Rabba barav huna would be sitting or standing casually as he was being made for nadarim. There's a machlokas ran and rush here, Chaim, as to what this means. According to the Ran, it means that Chia Barav and Rabbi Ravuna were casual enough, and it is an indication, as the Ran says over here at the bottom, right, that, that Kesavar, the first words on the last line in the Ran, Poschin Becharata, Umshimachi Labatzarchiyun Limsa Pesach, because it ha- sounds like they took a stand, right, that these these Chachamim took a stand on the fact that all you need is charata. All you need to undo another is regret. Well, if all you need is regret, then I don't need to find an esoteric Pesach to figure out whether this really works. And therefore, right, it means that I could still do my archery, do my PlayStation, whatever it may be, Sega system, or stand it up and down and be super casual, be like, yeah, 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 your Neda is Mufur. That's the sheet of the Ran. However, the Rush, and you have to see the last line in the Rush down here on the very bottom, below the Ran says, no. This is in the context of what we're saying in the conversation of Me'es Le'es versus Shkia. It says, what were Chia Barav doing? He was shooting an arrow, not because he was playing PlayStation. He, when a person would make the nether, uh, when you find out when the nether was, would shoot an arrow into the wall and look at it like a sundial in order to, and then mark it off in order to determine what time of day it was. And similarly, Rabbi Baravuna would stand up and look at his shadow and mark it off so that he would know that he only had a 24-hour period until the sun would reach that same spot the next day to be made for the nether. And so it was very, it was the opposite of casual. It was very deliberate, but it was in keeping, and so the Rosh is saying it's keeping with the context of the Gemara of whether the nether is me'es le'es or until shkia. And so that's the fascinating machokas run and the Rush. Were they being exceptionally casual because, and that's why they were shooting arrows and standing up and down? Or were they being exceptionally deliberate and that's why they were shooting the arrows and up and down? And so we'll resume tomorrow with the first word, Anayin Zayin, Amud Aleph, Tznan Hasan Bezrat Hashem, tomorrow.